0: Hello, hello and welcome beautiful souls. I am Julie, Julie Paul. I'm here with my dear colleague Bill Amiro and I'm very excited uh, that we're here today. We're actually kicking off the first episode of what I hope to be a long series uh, on the theme, the topic of career and spirituality and we're gonna uh, investigate with Bill who is a faith-based career development coach. We're going to investigate uh, what it means to be aligned and express who we are and embody our soul purpose at work. We're going to investigate that together and Bill will give us uh, ample you know, examples and advice about how to move forward towards more alignment in our career. So Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited.
1: Oh, uh, you're quite welcome. And it was refreshing to hear my name pronounced properly in French. Um, I'm in the US and my name is Bill Amaralt in English, but when my father came over from Nova Scotia, that's how they pronounced it, Amirault, like you did. So uh, thanks for that.
0: Yeah, great. For once, I, I couldn't get it wrong. So that's just perfect. You know? <laughs> and I hope everyone is uh, is okay with the accent because I cannot turn it down. This is not possible. So bear with me. Uh, awesome, Bill. So Bill, you're, you're a career development um, coach, you're also a leadership coach. And um, so I'm, I'm not gonna introduce you too much because you're gonna tell us a lot about your own career. And right. What I like to start with is always first asking, what is actually your perspective of spirituality? How do you see spirituality? What does it mean to you? And then how did you come about becoming a career development coach and how does spirituality has had a role in your whole career journey?
1: Yeah, I I, I can answer actually all three of those in in one answer. Okay. Um, and and it's the mantra that I use when I'm working with any client, and it goes something like this. I believe, mm-hmm. from the bottom of my being, that God put us all here for a variety of reasons. Career is one of the most important, so it's up to us to define and manifest those reasons in the best way that we can, mm-hmm. at whatever time that means. You may have five or six careers in your life, but determining why God put you here in certain roles Particularly related to career, and there's family, and there's every other part of your life. To me, is the most important. And um, faith has entered into my life from the time I was a kid. I mean, I, I kind of grew up with it, and kind of wandered away at certain times, back and forth, and in and out. But as it relates to career, it's the one situation typically you're spending the most time with. So that's why I believe it's so important to align your career with your faith, and to really do the introspective work. Some of which you'll you'll talk about as it relates to what you do, it's really important to do that work to make sure you're aligned with what you're doing career-wise. Otherwise, and I'm saying this from personal experience and dozens, maybe hundreds of clients, it'll suck the life out of you. And that's not what you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on your journey, like, and the many, many steps that led to you becoming like this amazing support for people who are into career questioning
2: mm-hmm.
0: where like how where did you feel that you were like absolutely expanded and aligned and were there time that you were not and what was the difference how did you uh, how, how did it feel and how did you understand that you had to course correct or you could keep going and you were on the right track and how can people have a reference for whether they're aligned with their inner compass or not?
1: Right, um, I will say this. If you look at my resume, there are a lot of things that are not on my resume. A lot of jobs I had, You know, particularly growing up, I started delivering newspapers at 10 and a half and trying to avoid dogs that wanted to bite me. Um, but th- the bottom line is I've had, I really had four different careers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, starting at, you know after college
2: yeah.
1: and at different times, I was in tune with what you're just describing. At other times, I was not. And that was the key thing is I wasn't listening to my inner self on more than one occasion. Details may become come later, but um, I, I graduated college with an engineering degree. I worked for General Electric for two years in a sales engineer role. Liked the company, liked what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to be in one of their high tech divisions. They didn't want to let me in. So I said, OK, I'm going to go to grad school. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do in grad school. So I had a double major in uh, MIS is what it was called. I know I'm dating myself, but that's okay. And marketing. And ultimately I had an internship in the IT field, which was just then the PCs were becoming more popular. But I went into brand management at Procter & Gamble. And I did some version of corporate brand management, marketing, uh, and advertising, and uh, public relations, and promotional development, that kind of stuff for about 20 years. And then I realized that the vortex of the corporate world was just not for me. The longest I ever spent with any corporation was four years. Mm -hmm. And there were several environments that I worked in that I enjoyed, that I was flourishing in, that I got promoted, and I was getting raises, and I was contributing. And there were several others that I was in. Basically, I would sleep all weekend. And I wasn't paying attention to that in terms of my own reaction to the environment that I was in. So it wasn't so much the, the work that I was doing, it was who I was doing it with, mm-hmm. and the environment that it was involved with. But I wasn't savvy enough at that time to really understand. I'm like, I got kids, I got to support a family, I'm, you know, my father did this, I mean, whatever. I, I just felt obligated to do what I was doing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I had a real health scare back in the mid-90s. I had, a, um, I had mono in college, and then I had a recurrence of it, and for about a two-year period, I had you know, I would go to work, but I probably pretty much couldn't do anything else. I had Epstein Barr. So that was really a wake up call that like aligned me with, Hey, wait a minute, what are you doing here? Or what are you not doing? That's making you look like this. I mean, I feel better now, 20 some years later than I did then. Okay. I I, much healthier, more vibrant, energetic, et cetera, et cetera. So I became a consultant in the early two thousands. And It was great because I could do the work that I enjoyed doing, which was marketing, product development. I probably introduced 50 new products or line extensions into the marketplace in different categories through the years. But I wasn't in the middle of the corporate vortex and all the politics that go around with that and all the hierarchy and everything else. I was paid so that I could give my perspective and opinion so that it would move the ball forward and make things better for the organization. And I didn't have to worry as much about who I quote unquote offended or who I might have said something wrong to. And that really was a comforting thing. Then the financial crisis of 2008 hit and the whole world changed. And I was a year and a half without consistent employment. And if I had had Uber or Lyft to drive back then, at least I could have paid some bills. It was really, really a difficult time. Wiped me out. Um, Had a couple of short-term corporate positions after that. And then I became a career coach in 2013. So that's kind of like the morph of what I did. It's like really four stages.
2: Okay.
1: And if you read things currently, the prediction is that millennials these days will not only have six different jobs, they'll have six different careers in their lifetimes. Yeah. Some of that is due to technology changes. Like if you look at what AI is doing right now versus even two years ago,
2: yeah.
1: it's incredible. I mean, copywriters are saying, oh no, I, I'm going to be out of a job. You know, much <laughs> yeah. like toll collectors were. 15, 20 years ago when the automatic toll collecting machines yeah. came into place so yeah, it there,
2: the yeah so there,
1: so there's so there's a combination of things align with your own purpose or sense of purpose your own spirituality and then how does that fit into the marketplace how can you resolve issues and solve problems that employers or clients may be having and as long as you're aligned with that and intuitively you feel good about what it is you're doing you're going to win and so are the people around you yeah, and that's again. That's that's my philosophy. Is we're all put here for a variety of reasons. Career is the most important, yeah. or one of the most important. So let's make it work.
0: I like how you said that. As long as you feel good.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and something that you said that struck me that um, that I resonate with a lot is like you 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 were on a track and you are not paying attention to the fact that off you you'd spend the whole weekend sleeping. And then later on, you ended up having a health health issues
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and saying that it wasn't the task so much that was the problem, but it was the basically the the environment and the nearly like the not the what, but like the how,
1: the yeah. condition
0: into which you could right. declare the what that were mm-hmm. actually the problem. And that's one thing that I see in the work that I do with um looking at someone's soul profile. And right. and like and I know with someone like you, or like I don't know, is it okay to mention that? Sure, yeah, that's fine. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that you know when we when we looked at your soul profile and that it's very much anchored in freedom, uh, being stuck into like a, a tight corporate environment that's basically cutting your wings in terms of independence, even mm-hmm. though you loved what you were doing,
1: yeah. It's yeah. like.
0: So that that's the point because that was the same for me as well and that's I find that sometimes people might tend to want to throw the baby out with the bathwater is like okay this career is not you know like uh, it's killing me it's not you know it's draining me but actually it's not necessarily what someone is doing that is the problem but like is the the condition into which they are doing it. And so maybe it's just a simple change of, like you did, you went from employment to being a consultant gives you more freedom. Freedom is what fuels your soul. So, and that's it, you're back on track. So sometimes it's not always this drastic, you know, like a total 180 degree change that we get to do to feel more aligned. Sometimes it's just, you know, changing, like making these little tweaks.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and and I'll say that it, it's a gradual revelation of information through the years.
2: Yeah.
1: And the first one for me was when I took a Myers-Briggs, I think I was 27. And I was trying to determine whether or not I wanted to continue in a marketing or product management role.
2: Yeah.
1: And I worked with a coach and he gave me the Myers-Briggs and I came up as an ESFJ. And okay there were things at the top of that list, like you're more likely to be uh, a coach, uh, a pastor, a social worker, um, a teacher or professor, and a, and a couple other things. And I looked at him and I said, I've never been any of those things. And I said, what's going on? I said, but I have all this degree in, you know, degrees in technical training and done all this. Where, what's at the bottom of this most likely list? So he had to go back into his files and he pulled it out. And at the bottom it said chemical engineer, civil engineer programmer all the things that i just spent six years of my life you know time money energy and effort getting credentials for and it wasn't aligned with me but i didn't know it so there are lots of a like your assessment is terrific because it really goes to the individual it goes to the soul as opposed to you having to have to to answer a bunch of questions to get to it like the disc and the myers-briggs i really like because they do provide good information but in terms of what's really going to get you, um, you know, what you do in a couple exercises that I've developed through the years as well, give you more of a destination that you can point yourself towards, as opposed to just saying, okay, if I take this job, I'm going to be able to put food on the table for the next year yeah. or whatever, which is, you know, there are times when that's important and relevant. But other times when you have to say, hey, look, what am what am I going to say to myself on my hospice bed yeah. about how I lived my life and did, you know, did my career related activities? So you know, this inner work that 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 you do and that I do in in pieces is extremely valuable because it does set your compass uh, toward a much more viable um, destination. And that doesn't describe the pathway in terms of getting there. That's a whole separate conversation. And I do a lot of that work too. But without knowing the destination, it's like that you and I had this conversation, like I'm in the United States and uh, I have been on the East Coast for years. I could put a boat in the water and let the Gulf stream take it and the winds take it wherever it might go. Or I could say, I'm going to put this boat in the water and I want to be in Lisbon, Portugal in three weeks. That changes my whole approach to how I navigate through the ocean. It changes what I bring as supplies. It changes what I have as a boat. It changes how I direct myself, everything. And, And that's the thing that I find to be the most Inspirational and motivating thing about this work is that when you get somebody who then says, "Oh, now I see what I want to do and know why,"
2: yeah,
1: then getting there is a whole lot easier.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see it as, um you know, we talk about uh, fulfillment or career fulfillment like sure. that. Instead of looking at like the outside, it's like, okay, which of these career is gonna bring me fulfillment? is mm-hmm. like who am I inside that if if I allow myself to express, express me fully,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like I'm gonna bring the I'm gonna fill my career with right my, with myself, with my soul expression, with my so I'm the one bringing the fulfillment. Now, the question is obviously certain careers are a better terrain for certain types of inner essences,
1: yes, yes. And and, and like, as you're saying this, I mean, you know, I've read and heard stories about you know Olympic gymnasts that knew at age six that's what they wanted to do. Like Martina Navratilova knew she wanted to be a professional tennis player as a young girl. Um, Michael Jackson, obviously, he was you know performer with his brothers from the time he was very young. Those are the rare instances when something like a career choice comes very early. For most people, it doesn't doesn't happen that way. And 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 again, this different navigation. Uh, Pathways that you that you take for that, Um, and and you know, you know my wife happened to be a director of a daycare center for 37 years. She had a couple of jobs out of college, then landed in a daycare center and got promoted, and that's what she did for the rest of her career. That's not me. I mean, I would never have stayed in one organization for that length of time. That said, it fit her, and that's something in her 20s she discovered. It took me a lot longer to get to that point, and and mine changed several times along the way. So. Again, it's 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 the individual fit and impact that need to be assessed and measured. And the measurement is the toughest thing. The assessment is often easy. It's the measurement that's what it, what's tough. But, you know, my daughter's in a situation right now where she kind of wanted to move to a city in Texas, decided to move there, got a job in 24 hours.
2: Yeah. And
1: it turned out to be she's down there four years. She's been promoted four times. Okay, it turns out to be a really good fit for her. She didn't know that when she first walked in the door. And there's some trial and error that goes along with all of this as well. It's not just going to show up because of an assessment or because of the work that you and I've done. It's like you got to get out there and see what's going to work yeah. um, for you, you know, and that and that's the important thing.
0: Mm. So, and actually, it's a great segue. Like, So in terms of like career choices in general, what do you think is the most important of some of the most important things that people need to either like understand, being aware of, or simply remember, you know, mm-hmm. as rules of thumbs about career choices.
1: Yeah, the, the, the biggest thing that I focus on with those that I'm working with is, are you gonna enjoy what you're doing? Okay. Okay, and we do a full assessment before we even get to that of, what have your accomplishments been both in, in career related activities and in life, up to this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when somebody defines what their accomplishments are, two things show up. Number one, it allows them to give themselves credit for those things that they've done. And if you're talking to a recent college graduate, those accomplishments may not be nearly as much as somebody who's 20 years in the workforce. That said, if somebody is an accomplished athlete or um, musician or performer or something where they can say, yes, I, I accomplished this and I achieved this, That all counts, Mm -hmm. and then what you do is you go a couple of layers underneath that and say, Well, what was it about this circumstance that allowed you to achieve what you did? You know, what was going on mindset wise, what was going on spiritually, what was going on motivationally, and what was going on around you Mm -hmm. that made this happen? So then, when you start to see the consistent patterns or start to create the patterns, then it's like, Okay, how do we find something that looks like this Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that may not be. Musical performance, but how do we something? How do we find something that looks like this for you going forward? And when that and that part of the conversation, then it's like, oh, I can see why I would be, and I'm making this up, but not by much. Why I could be in sales for a company that manufactures musical instruments. Okay, there's a there's a there's a hybrid of skill sets, mindset, and just interests and values that go along with that. So there's a whole bunch of stuff, that it's all laid out in, in in my book that the whole first section of the book is what do you want to do and why, who are you and what do you want to do and why? Yeah. And and then we start going into the, how do we communicate it? And how do we get you in front of the right people and how to interview and negotiate and all that. But until you get the what and the why squared away, mm-hmm. it becomes kind of a, I have to do this exercise as opposed to I want to, I'm choosing to, I'm really, really excited about it. That kind of thing.
0: Mm. Okay, well, so you you just mentioned your book. So uh, you can tell us a little bit more so that people know. um, Yeah, yeah, sure. uh,
1: Absolutely. I have a a book and a workbook and it it was originally developed with a colleague. And now I have one that it's really, that that I use myself. Mm -hmm. And it's called Finding God's True Purpose for Your Career. Mm -hmm. And I have an ebook for it. It's a 35 page summary, which actually probably is too long for for an ebook, but it, it does cover pretty much everything. And then 150-page kind of a complete guide. Yeah. And both of them are in electronic form because uh, if I publish them in a traditional book, I'd have to get copyright approval for so many memes and photos and quotes and everything else that, that I, I didn't, okay? I do have a workbook that goes along with it, though, yeah. um, that if you want to use kind of like a diary type of thing, and it's hard to see it there, but these are all the exercises that are mentioned in the main manuscript and this is really something that you can use not just for this particular job search, but you can refer back to it anytime you want and say, "Hey, at this point in my life, when I was in 2023 looking for my next career option, I really went, uh, you know, full bore. I really put the the my thoughts and my 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 mind and and my um, emotions into what it is that I want to be doing." And there are 25 exercises in here. And they're connected to a bunch of videos that give you a little more context about how to do it. So it's a pretty comprehensive program. The workbook is in print. The textbook, if you wanna call it that, is I have found is better as a PDF and everybody reads stuff online now anyway, or on their screen, so.
0: But is it is it a replacement for working with a coach or is it like, is it, is it what you're using to support or people use that to support their journey working with you?
1: Yeah, it, it. I have found it's much better yeah. when people are working with me, and I'm not saying that because it's me. Okay. Yeah. What happens is this, and and this is also part of the first part, of the first section of the book is, if somebody decides to work with me and they're and they're making hundred thousand dollars a year, that's two thousand dollars a week.
2: Yeah. Now
1: there are some DIY people out there who can build their own bathrooms and kitchens and stuff like. That. I'm not one of those guys, and I delegate those kinds of things. It's like, look, I'll work alongside you, but I'm not doing it myself. Yeah. And I find this to be similar because for every week that you are, quote unquote, not employed or not earning income at one hundred thousand dollars a year, that's two grand a week, four hundred dollars a day. So if a career coach can steer you in the right direction and save you a week, two weeks, three weeks, even in your own search, it pays out from just purely from an investment standpoint. And the big thing that I do is I kind of describe myself like one of two things. One is like a Sherpa going up the mountain. Mm -hmm. And the other one is like a whitewater rafting guide. And I'll use the whitewater rafting illusion here for for a moment. It's like you want to know how to avoid the rocks. That's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing because you don't want to crash. And the other thing you don't want to do is get involved in an eddy current that's off to the side and you can't get out of it. And that if you're doing it by yourself, it's so easy to just get stuck in your own little world. And I, I've done enough coaching, you know, yeah. both in sports and careers and and leadership and everything else, that I know how to pull people out of those eddy currents very quickly.
0: Okay. Because Can the, you give l- us some examples of what's, what 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 could be the rocks and the currents? Like well, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll I'll give you the rocks. As in, let's put it this way: I probably met a hundred thousand people in the last ten years. Most of them pre-COVID. I did three hundred fifty job fairs primarily in the Northeast part of the U S but I did them in other States as well. And probably a quarter of the resumes I saw, I wouldn't send a high school kid out with because, yeah. the, and, and here's why, number one, sometimes the format and layout was so juvenile, it, w- it would just immediately get thrown in the trash, either whether you saw it on paper or, or on a, a computer screen. But the real thing is it wouldn't tell the story about how you could add value to a future organization. People want to know about your accomplishments. What did you do to contribute? And where did you add value? Most people on their resumes have some version of duties, responsibilities, and activities. And nobody cares about that. It's like you could put breathed oxygen, use the restroom for duties, responsibilities, and activities. But what did you do to impact the business? How did you grow revenue? How did you cut costs? How did you solve big problems? Or how did you prevent big problems? Or how did you assemble teams to do all the four above? So, so the, 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 the thing that I'm I'm focusing on right now is how to communicate your value proposition, both in a resume and a LinkedIn profile and any other online or cover letter related materials. That's kind of the marketing phase of job search. And that doesn't happen until, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: It's funny because it's, again, it's like the what and the how.
1: Yeah. It's like just
0: describing the what doesn't give much, you know, like, uh, so like the, the, you're basically, you're you're going underneath the obvious. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. No, I mean, if you have somebody with a resume that says VP of marketing for a Fortune 500 company, you know, know that person has done some things. They didn't just show up in that role. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you still have to create a resume and a LinkedIn profile that support what it is that you say you want to be doing and demonstrate what kind of value you've added to the organizations. Because ultimately you're an investment you know, you're making 100, 200, 300K a year, you're expected to return three to five times your expense in terms of value to the company. Otherwise, the investment isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have to look at the whole, look at it from the employer's side or from the client side, what impact are you having? So it's, you know, what I found is that people focus on what, as opposed to how much or what impact.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and that's something that, that that I'm able to do. So so that's one of the rocks. Another yeah. one of the rocks is, you know, not being able to interview properly. You can have all of your credentials look wonderful and have a great, you know, website and social media and whatever, whatever else, but you walk in and you interview in a way that's not going to be conducive to you getting the job. So that's another set of rocks. The third one is, you know, during the outreach phase of job search, how do you connect and interact with people that you're quote-unquote networking with? Mm-hmm. often who have no idea who you are, you may have had a referral that introduced you or that kind of thing. How do you make those conversations go in the most productive way, not just for you, but for the for the other people that you'd be interacting with? So those are the rocks. The eddy currents happen in the following way. And I've experienced this personally, too. And I, I say this to my clients on a regular basis, particularly at job fairs, how many of you have been downsized, right-sized, reorg, let go, fired, or otherwise separated from your organization for reasons that you don't clearly understand? And ultimately people, yeah, okay. happen And, and I say this and I'm, I can kind of say it with a smile on my face now, but as I was going through it, it was no, no smiling matter at all. All of those have happened to me. Some of them many more times than once. And mm-hmm. it's no fun. Okay. When you're going through that. So the goal is to get through the stages of grief associated with a loss in your life. And, 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 you know, the number one on the, on the psychologist scale of impact is, you know, death of a spouse, okay. but loss of a job is only number three. Okay. So it's, it's up there. Yeah. And how do you stay out of the eddy currents and say, Hey, look, they may have let me go, but I'm still very valuable. Mm-hmm. And then how do I feel that not just from a, confident standpoint, but from a, I'm ready to communicate it standpoint, and then express that to somebody else who could clearly need your skills and your ability to do the things that they need. So that's an eddy current. The other time is this, I might've had clients have gone through this three interviews in a week and they find out the following week that none of them are going to get to the next phase. Yep. Yeah. And what do you tell somebody, you know, it's like they, there's like all the expectations and all the emotions that go along with the excitement of interviewing. And these are great companies and and none of them work out. And it's easy to intellectualize it and say, well, every no is just one step closer to yes. You know, I mean, it's easy to say that, but it's not easy to feel it. So one of the things I do with people is say, listen, I play golf and every once in a while I hit one in the woods. I give myself three seconds to get annoyed, to get really pissed off. Damn it! Okay. Because I don't want it to affect the rest of my round. I don't want it to, I don't want it to, am I a horrible golfer? No. Did I hit a bad golf shot? Yes. Okay. But that doesn't make me a horrible golfer. I say, okay, here's one that I littered into the woods. Let's play on. Okay. And that's the same way you have to look at job search to me. Because the longer you stay in quote unquote, mourning is the less time you have to be out there in front of people saying what it is that you can do yeah. to bring value to their organization and bring value to yourself as well,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And like I know we've talked about it many times, but like like the mindset, and it's not it's it's important for obvious reasons, but yeah. even when we're looking at it from the again, the spiritual perspective, uh, on a, you know, in its widest kind of definition.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we let, you let, we let ourselves be drained or like let the mood go down because of one setback. or questions right. go down. And then this is like, like how, how we feel is what broadcasts our energy out. Right, to the that's world. right, we're, that's right. We can't possibly attract, and we're only gonna attract like, you no know, or match, uh possibilities that that are like you know a, a match for our vibrational state so like right. letting ourselves get you know knocked down and then we are limiting the possibilities of what's going to come our way in terms of possibilities and opportunities right so, yeah so I it's mean- it, yes yeah, so like i mean it's you know nearly f- physics explains these things it's not just you know like woohoo and uh, yeah, we are we are we are energy in a sea of energy. So like, gets um, we can't afford to let ourselves stay down for too long if we want to um to attract what we you know ultimately what fits our potential. Um, right. Yeah.
1: With two two analogies that I found to be extremely useful in terms of explaining what you're what you're just saying. Number one is. For those of you who still listen to a radio, what's the frequency of the radio station yeah. that you're transmitting? And if the frequency of, that you're transmitting is not what you're looking to receive back, then you're not gonna get that back from you. Like when you're on the highway and somebody cuts you off, yeah. are you gonna get pissed off and then perpetrate that person's energy, not just to yourself, but everybody else around you? Or are you gonna say, okay, you cut me off, it happens. You know, or, or, or the other thing is, you know, a, a boomerang. You know, what you throw out there is going to eventually come back to you and, you know, all kinds of laws of karmic retribution and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it comes down to if your energy is in the right place and your key skills are in the right place and your timing is good. I mean, sometimes yeah. there are, there, the, the timing can be better than others. Market, job market uh, fluctuations can, uh, can change radically, even in a few months. Um, you know, witness what happened in March of 2020. Um, you know, related to COVID, if all of those are in alignment, you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. And and there are always ups and downs. There are hills and valleys in in every venture that you go into. But I always say to the the people that I'm working with, it's like, look, we know what the destination is. You're comfortable with the destination. Now it's just a matter of making sure that we find the organization or the client-related situation that fits you and that destination. And I often compare it to, you know, finding a spouse, I mean, or or or, or a life partner. Um, you know what you're looking for and why, you know who you are. How is that compatibility going to work in that situation? And there are a lot of people I've known and myself included at different times in my life who were more married to the job than, <laughs> than I might have been to, um, you know, my family. And sometimes that happens and you have to work through that. But it's a very similar dynamic in terms of, how do you make yourself not just available but accessible and attractive Mm-mm. to that situation that you're really looking for?
0: Yeah. And like that something you said makes me think as well. Something that not we we sometimes overlook because we tend to compact, compartmentalize. Can we say that? You know, in- like, okay, like I'm on a job search, so like, you know, like job, so I get, you know, keep my mindset, etc. But like, what happens? Like you know, like uh, the circumstances in our f- personal life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, life is not s- separate. Separate in different right. boxes. So right. whatever, like especially if like for people mm-hmm. who are into a transition, like looking, paying attention to like the the environment. You know, in personal life, you know, are they like uh, uh, fulfilled? You know, like with family and friends, and because that is. Uh, can impact the the inner state that and that's, right. that's going to impact also like the 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 success of the the career transition and vice versa but like we often see like how the job can put impacts negatively possibly family life but like it goes both ways sometimes right. i find it's not we not necessarily think about it so much on the the other way around
1: well you're you're 100% right i mean one of the exercises in my book is it's called next steps in life yeah, and I outline outline fourteen different areas of your life that you want to quote unquote either achieve or experience things between now and when you get into a hospice bed or get hit by a bus, whatever whatever <laughs> happens to you. Okay, you, you have did, to be more you
2: have the option to choose. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: right. Um, you know, not to be morbid, but um, I, when you look at your life as number of days. Yeah. You know, my mother passed away in December of nineteen. She lived. 32,213 days, okay? I'm at 23,000 something. So I consistently ask myself, what am I gonna accomplish, achieve, or experience with my life between now and where she was at age 88? And if you look at your life as a series of days and not years, which come and go, everybody knows what 24 hours is. And the reason I'm even bringing this up is because life is always gonna win. I mean, I've had client situations. I I worked with a guy uh, a couple of months ago who was 82 years old and he had a very successful career as a recruiter for over, he was in sales for a long time and then recruiting for 21 years. And he took some time off because his wife was having a cancer situation. He actually left his former job and he decided he wanted to get back to work because he was getting bored. She Mm -hmm. was better. And frankly, they didn't want to be spending all day in the house with each other, okay? So 82 years old, the guy is back at it. Wow. But, and I say but, life won in the sense of he wanted to take care of his wife as she was going through her medical trials. And he decided to quit his job so he could do that. Many clients that I've worked with have been caretakers of adult parents. Um, One guy that I worked with, decided that he would be a full-time caretaker of his mother, thought she would last a year and she lasted five. So he had a five-year gap in his resume and it took him six months to find a new position, even though he'd been very accomplished uh, retail store manager for a number of years. He just People just didn't buy it. But the bottom line is, ultimately, when he's in his hospice bed, he's gonna look back and say, hey, I took care of my mother and I'll, I'll never regret that. Yeah. So, life is going to win. I mean, if you're going through a divorce, if you're you know, you know having uh, childcare issues, if you're having I mean, all kinds of stuff, th- those are always going to influence what's going on in the workplace, or for you know individually, for you in the workplace. And there's an there's an ability to compartmentalize as in if something's really going wrong, okay? it's it it, it, it may show up, you need to be cognizant of it. but it's like the the professional athlete, whose whose father dies and and i've seen this several times and he'll get on and have the guy will have a great game and -hmm. he'll get on this how did you play this game with your father just passed away yesterday because i know that's what my father would have wanted me to do and i did this in his honor you know that kind of thing so life life issues can also support what you're doing career wise depending on how your mindset interprets them
0: yeah yeah depending how the mindset interprets Yeah. It's like how how we think influences how we feel and vice versa. And we can either get onto a upwards or downwards spiral very fast.
1: That's correct. And that's correct. And that's one of the things I was talking about, like the stages of grief. You want to minimize those as much as possible. You know, in, in nine years or nine and a half years of doing this work, I've had two people call me and say something that sounds like this. I just got fired. You know, they let me go, you know, two people yeah. in all that time because they wanted to they, they didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't step up and say, look, I'm leaving. But everybody else that I've ever worked is like, oh, I got let go. I got fired. I can't believe, you know, and, and look, it's understandable. It's totally understandable. It's mm-hmm. your identity. At least for me, it was the first time it happened to me was my early 30s. And I was devastated. It took me several months to recover and even not even recovered several months to say, I want to get back in and do something about it. And um, ultimately I did obviously, but the goal that that I have with anybody I'm working with is to get to the bottom of what it is that they experienced and why, what did they learn from it? Importantly, that's a, one of the most important things. What did you learn from it? And was it something that might've been completely out of your control? I mean, if, if half your department gets laid off, it's a coin flip as to whether it was you or somebody else. And there's probably something in your near-term future that may be way better than what it is that you were at before. And I don't try to be Pollyanna-ish about it, like, say, oh, it'll be okay. I mean, that's not where I'm coming from. But I do believe things happen for a reason, and it's up to us to make the best of what those circumstances are and turn it into the best possible outcomes that we can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And actually, you mentioned your mother earlier, like, you know, and and only if you are OK to talk about it, because I, I thought that she's like an, such an, a role model or amazing example of beating the odds and like what mindset mindset can turn around difficult circumstances.
1: Yeah, well, here's the, here's the thing. She was born with spina bifida in the early 30s. And and this is where I believe God had a huge hand in a lot of this, because I wouldn't be here for two reasons. If, that I'll, t- I'll tell you one first, and I can tell you another one later. But she was born with a tomato-sized growth at the bottom of her spine, outside the skin with fluid in it. And there was one pediatric neurosurgeon in the world who had the credentials to do the surgeries that she needed. And he lived about 30 miles from Boston, Massachusetts to the north yeah. and she lived about 25 miles to the west. So at two days old, my grandparents took her in a 1920 something Ford without a car seat, without a, without a baby seat, mm-hmm. to Shriner's Hospital in Boston. And she was there for several months. I don't know how long she was there. She saw this doctor until she was 12. And when she was 12, she was wearing leg braces. I've seen pictures. And she was told then that she would never walk without leg braces one leg was an inch and a half shorter than the other or have kids because they thought all of her reproductive capabilities were compromised based on all the surgeries they had done. Well, I'm the oldest of six. Okay. And into her seventies. And I I remember this phone call. She was a huge baseball fan. It's how I learned baseball as a kid. And I played through high school and college and semi-pro and a bunch of things. She could never play herself, but she loved the game. Mm -hmm. She'd call me up and say, Hey, listen, The Red Sox are playing in Baltimore on September 8th, whatever the date was, get some tickets. I'm taking the plane with Catherine, my my oldest niece. And she's in a wheelchair, but she didn't let it bother her. She didn't let it slow her down. And when I wrote her eulogy poem a few years before she passed, and I shared it with her and she looked at me and she said, you know, I didn't know I was this good. And I said, Ma, your normal is different than anybody that I know, but you don't let it stop you. And that by itself is a huge example, not just for your kids, but anybody that knows you. Yeah. Because you went to work, you know, after you had six kids, you went back to work and worked for another 20 years, you know, like, look, you, you didn't let life stop you or your physical condition stop you. And I look at it and I say, if somebody can get through life like that, and I've seen the guy, I can't remember his name, that does motivational speeches, he has no arms and partial legs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there's a there's a guy with no arms that plays guitar with his toes and it's unbelievable you know what people can actually do when their mind says yes I can do it Mm -hmm. so I don't try to minimize what it is that somebody's going through in terms of job search in terms of losing a job or whatever but I say hey look if these people can get through what their obstacles are and their hurdles and their brick walls so can you yeah absolutely
2: yeah
0: and Bill Um, I wanted to touch on, you know, like what's the, you know, like in the current circumstances that we're in, you know, globally and like the current economy, uh, what, what have you noticed, you know, in the, um, with your clients and in, you know, like the job market, what's, what's your take on, on how is our current circumstances affecting um, like Career transitions, like career yeah, et yeah. I mean, it, it, you uh-huh. know, <laughs> some insights for us.
1: The, the, a couple things. Number one, difficult times are always opportunities. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there have been some of the greatest transitional achievements that mankind has ever put together during difficult times. Mm-hmm. You know, during difficult economic times, um, and, or difficult. You know, World War II, for instance. You know, when the whole world was involved within one level or another. So a couple things. Number one, depending on what field you're in, it could be a huge boom or it could be a bust. Yeah. Like I wish I had had Zoom stock in February of 2020. Okay. I Don't wish, I, yes. yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, I, and um, a good friend of mine uh, who's with a private equity firm on the West Coast, one of his first assignments in the mid or late 90s, whenever he showed up, was he presented to his senior management team a case for investing heavily in a startup company called Google? Okay. So, so the, you know, we, we're in a time right now where technology allows us to have so many more opportunities than we might have had even 10 years ago, or certainly mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 years ago, that we need to be aware of what those opportunities can become, that ideas can become reality much more quickly. Yeah. The second thing is that what I have found in terms of, let's say job skills is it's kind of like real estate in nine and a, in nine years of doing job fairs i met one web developer one because right. there's too there's too much work, too much work. for those yeah. people to do yeah. the supply and demand is totally in the favor of the employee yeah. versus the employer you know if you have those technical skills that are in high demand and certainly there are other fields that that have that, you know, certain forms of certain parts of healthcare, care, um, you know, certain parts of um, any technology development, any web app developer right now. All of those areas, it's like real estate. It's like location, location, location. If you're in the right location, it almost doesn't matter what property you have.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I've seen people with horrible resumes get great jobs because they're in such high demand. Yeah. And as long as they can communicate something about themselves, they'll get a chance and they get started. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying two things. One is recognizing what opportunities may exist in terms of your functional areas of expertise, or you may want to have some additional training and expertise developed, like use the time that you may have between jobs to get some additional credentials. I'm working with a guy now, um, this is the second time we've worked together, who has an incredibly Powerful, long career in TV, radio, and video production.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: had his own business for almost twenty years and then he just got tired of running the business and didn't and then and then sold it. But he's now in a situation where he's you know close to my age, and the the quote unquote younger folks in that in that area aren't really wanting to hire him. So he's going back to get some additional credentials that will allow him to add to his experience and make things work, okay? so I'm not discounting that we're in a huge state of flux, both from a domestic economy in the US and a world economy. I'm not ignoring that, but I am saying that there are more opportunities that are created in times like this than people are often willing to allow themselves to believe. All right, The, the other part of this is, have you been in a role that you really didn't want to be in for a certain period of time and does moving on from that role open up the doors like you talked about me being you know my my soul map has freedom all over it. Yeah. Is that something that you as an individual have as well? And is this like a time to explore things that you've never even considered because you were too busy working? And mm-hmm. that's all part of the book too. That whole first section is okay, what what is it that's going to make some sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I'm not denying that in certain fields there are going to be downsizing, there's going to be layoffs, and there's going to be jobs that just never come back. Like a a good example, and I've worked with several clients in this arena too, is um, investments and financial services. All of that's been automated. You know, like 20 years ago, there were teams of people from an operational standpoint that had to do, you know, function A, B, C, D for the, both for the internal people and the external clients. So much of that has been automated that those jobs don't exist anymore. So then you have to recognize, are you selling buggy whips? You know, like if you- if, Are you if selling what? Buggy whips. Give me a second. Okay. Like when- I don't when understand
0: people, the word, huh?
2: so just- so no, you know.
1: Like, give me a second. Yeah. Like horse and carriage,
2: oh, okay.
1: late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. The whips that you would use for your horse yeah. was an item that sold, okay? Because they were necessary in terms of transportation.
2: Mm-hmm. When
1: the automobile became popular, those weren't as popular. Mm-hmm. And you have to recognize when you're you know when that when the, the industry's time is over. Yeah. you know, the and, then, and they
0: become popular again after 50 shades of gray, right? I'm joking, for, I'm joking. For,
1: yeah, for a totally different reason too. And and I don't I wonder I wonder what actual sales became after that movie came out. But anyway,
2: okay.
1: um but but the reality is is like you know, there are people like when I first got into the pharmaceutical industry, it was a a ripe job, a ripe industry. Mm -hmm. And then there were a whole bunch of constraints put on the industry. There were things where uh, drug approvals became much, much more tedious. Um, So the money wasn't there. And drug companies, as you know, around the world, uh, drug companies, biotech companies, nutraceutical companies, et cetera, are combining or merging so that they can still be profitable. And the pharmaceutical industry is no fun anymore me. Okay. In other words, they're, you know, medical devices maybe, but it's whole, totally changed from what it was 30 years ago. And and that's the kind of thing you have to look at and say, okay, what's happening in the in the greater uh, environment that I find myself in? And then how do I adapt my own skills into either a revised version of that environment or a totally different one? Okay. And, and I do career switches with people, probably a third of the people I work with um, are going through some kind of not just a career transition in terms of finding another job, but making a real career switch. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's fun work, because that's when all of the introspective stuff that we've talked about earlier on in this call um, come up to the surface. That's when people really have to look themselves in the eye and say, what am I put here to do? What can I I really want to do? And how is that going to translate into what the marketplace needs?
0: Mm. I like what you're saying here. It reminds me of, you know, some... with stress and burnout you know like mm-hmm. sometimes like it takes someone to go to the 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 ultimate stage of full burnout to be able to take that break and look after themselves mm-hmm. so it's really like a little bit of like it might it might take you know a like you know being laid off uh, you know in this weird economy to finally allow 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 ourselves to look at oh now that I'm here, now I finally got the opportunity to do the internal work and to really think about what yeah. I really want to do. Otherwise, like 10 years down the line would still be into the exact same position without without allowing themselves to maybe think maybe yeah, about well, what they truly want, you know? Well, here's the, here's
1: here's another example. Um, and and I'm, again, anecdotally, but About five years ago, I worked with a woman who was with a major communications company in the accounts payable department Mm -hmm. for 28 years. She had three different positions in the same department, in the same building for 28 years. It would have made me gouge my eyes out. I would have got so bored. That's me. But for her, it was a comfort zone and she liked her job. She was doing well. By the time they had the layoff at this company, she was way overpaid. I mean, way overpaid. She was driving 45 minutes one way to get there, you know, and and she liked the job. She liked the people she was working with. It was all quote unquote, let's call it a comfort zone, which is all totally fine. But it got blown up. She got a nice severance package. And then ultimately, as we did the inner work about what do you want to do going forward, she realized she liked the work a lot. Ultimately, she found a position that was about... 15% 15% less salary wise but it was a 10 minute commute. Mm. And I you know it was it was when I took the assignment on I wasn't sure I was going to be able to help this one. I wasn't sure I was going to be I wasn't sure there was a, going to be a place for. Her. But ultimately there was. It took her about 3 months to find the position, but it was way better on for several reasons than what she had before, but she had gotten so comfortable with that she didn't know any better. She didn't have any incentive to look outside and see what else was going on
2: yeah yeah
0: absolutely yeah that's a great story great story and okay so so what's like you know we are coming towards you know towards the the end of our time like what's what's one question that i didn't ask you that that would be useful for for the people who are gonna watch us
1: yeah i i think you kind of asked a whole lot of them that that go around this one question Okay. In other words, we we, we kind of yep. navigated around it. It's what's my purpose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And in the front of the book, and this is not something I made up when I found it, I just like my eyes lit up yeah. in, it was developed somewhere in Japan. I don't know who developed it. It's all over the internet and it's, it's called Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. And in Sanskrit, it means Dharma. And in English, it roughly means purpose, but it's a stronger meaning than purpose. It's like reason for existence, okay, which is like, whoa, you know, that's that's a whole lot stronger. And there's a diagram that I really love in, in, in terms of its ability to communicate very quickly what it is that the implications of purpose are all about. And if you go back to high school math, or even junior high math, it's Venn diagrams, where you overlap the circles and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is a Venn diagram with four circles. And these are the four circles. It's what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? What can I get paid for? And paid well for is really the the better way to say it. And what does the world need? So if you put those four circles and then you look at the point where they all intersect, that's the bullseye. If you land in that bullseye, you're gonna win and the world is gonna win. And and that's one of my goals with anybody that I'm working with is to, again, define what that bullseye is and then manifest it. Yeah. So that's the only question you didn't ask, but you ask everything around it. So it's not like you didn't ask it. It's just you didn't ask that one. Yes. So,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: So in relation to the to the to the four, like, you know, to the the the, the guy, what are we good at? What are we paid for? What do we enjoy doing and the you know, what the world needs? Where right. would you put, or is it underneath all of this? Where would you put the what, whats what's your soul, your soul's gifts and qualities, basically your essence? Wow, where yeah, I,
1: I, I think I, I think it's the um, it's the what do you enjoy. Okay. That that aligns with your soul the most. I mean, like if you're asking me any one of those four things, that would be the one that would align most with your soul work. Um, You know, the kind of work that you do and that you shared with me, which was a truly an eye opener. By the way, this is a a shameless plug for what you do and the value of it. Because I, I, I didn't have the, I didn't, I, I kind of had a an idea of what what I saw in the paper, but but when you were stating it to me and showing it to me, mm-hmm. it was like. Wow. I didn't realize it was that prominent. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what do you enjoy is probably the thing that I would pay attention to the most. The other thing is what are you good at?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because those are the two internal things. The two external things are what can you get paid for? Or what, what is somebody going to pay you for it? And what does the world need? Okay. Those, those are outside you. The inside you are the two that I just mentioned.
0: Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So, and so Bill, I think it's a good time to, you know, to mention that, you know, and we didn't even, we didn't even talk about this before the, you know, before uh, the interview, that we are actually partnering like together in in a sense that uh, uh, like you are like extremely, like, you know, your superpowers in, Extracting what people are good at and putting it on paper, on resumes Mm -hmm. and LinkedIn profiles and your uh, how to conduct interviews, etc. So, which is not my forte. Like, you're like, and I'm more into like the stress management, getting your mindset, figuring out what your soul wants and and the gifts Mm -hmm. and qualities. So, bringing all of this. So, like, I'm actually super excited that, you know, for and the people who are you know like wanting to um to have an experience of starting with what their soul wants and but really going all the way down to landing a job right. that is you know that aligns with it you know like we are like yeah we are partnering up to support people in uh, in achieving that so i'm super excited about you know what's uh, what's ahead of us for with that
1: yeah same here and 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 just to put some context around it this is this is my interpretation, but you do the the inner work or the inner assessment with an eye toward what the outer work is. Yeah. I do the outer work with an eye toward what the inner work has been. in other words, I can't really communicate the defining, I can't really communicate the manifestation of what somebody's looking for until the inner work is, is done or is clear. And there are some clients that I meet with right away. They know exactly what they want to do. Hey, listen, I've been doing this for 15 years. I love the work. We had a downsize of my company. Let's make it work. Let's make it happen. I haven't had a resume done. Okay, great. Okay. So they, they already are, and that's a great place to start, but that's like 40% down the pathway that you and I are talking about. The first is, is the work that you do. I do some of that, but not in the same way that you do. And then from there, it's like, okay, where do we take this so that it becomes something you get paid for and something the world needs. And, and, and then we go from there.
0: Yeah. I love it. And like, just the way you express this, expressed it is like, to me, it's like, you know, your superpower is like taking, you know, like a, a heap of information and, summarizing it putting it into the right words that hit the target you know yeah. like so that's uh that's uh, that's great and uh uh so bill i know that you have you know in terms of how we can like um uh give a little bit more to our people mm-hmm. right now you're you're going to make available your your pdf for people to download is that correct
1: yeah i'm going to make available the ebook um, yes, okay. which is 30, 38 pages okay. um, and, and the title of the ebook and the full PDF book are the same, uh, but one is much shorter than the other, much more, more, it, it, it's a good outline, but you know, again, I one of the things that I say in, in both books is the advantage and, and the power of working with a qualified career coach. And I'm not saying just me, I'm just saying with somebody who knows what to do to navigate you through the waters of of job search, so yeah. yes, I'm making the ebook available. Um, my website is careerswithcoachbill.com, yeah. and that way you can, you know, get onto our email list and get any updates. Mm-hmm. If you want the ebook directly, you can just send me an email, um, you know, from this, and just mention your name, um, so I'll know where it's coming from. Like you
0: know what, what I'll do, Bill, is like in the like you know, like we are figuring out, you know, something that people just click a link and get. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. We'll do it that way then. Yeah, that's fine. Like um, because like I'm gonna remind everyone of your, you know, all of your contacts, of course. And on my end, what I'll do, like for any of the people following you, is uh, I have a uh, a masterclass on uh, uh, your career is your karma.
2: Uh, I think
0: interesting and and I would love. I hosted the Career and Spirituality Summit last year, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna make that available as well. So we will I run out the the how and links etc. But that's gonna be available for everyone, as Great. well. Awesome, Bill. Thank you so much. You know, like as as always, you know, like always, rich and 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 cool conversations So thank you so much. I hope uh, everyone is enjoying has enjoyed it. And I shall see you really soon. Thank Et you.
1: Bonjour, mon ami. Oh, okay.
0: yes. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> anyway, thank, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Yes. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you.